Welcome to the Chiropractic United podcast for the first week of April 2011. This podcast is brought to you by CVP Seminars. We have a thoracic rehab seminar coming up in Atlanta, Georgia on April 16th. Be sure to register now. And brought to you by Elite Coaching with Dr. Fred DiDomenico. For more information on Elite Coaching, browse to www.elitecoachingllc.com. And brought to you by Postico, makers of the radiographic EMR system known as Posturay, as well as the new iPhone and iPad posture screening app that is taking iTunes by storm. For more information, browse to postico.com. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is Dr. Deed Harrison with Chiropractic United. This is the first week of April 2011, and it's the first April Chiropractic United podcast. I'm here with my partner, Dr. Fred DiDomenico, my partner, Dr. Joe Ferrantelli, and our guest speaker for this month is Dr. Thomas Lamar of SpinalColumnRadio.com. So welcome, everybody. Hello. Good to be here as always. Yep. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being on. Yeah, no problem, Tom. Uh, What we'd like to do is is actually introduce you to our audience, and I'm sure that many of them do not know what uh, SpinalColumnRadio.com is really all about. Uh, Can you give us just a a quick uh, rundown of of what it is Spinal Column Radio is all about, what you do? And, and how the listeners can access that. Well, let's see. Spinal Column Radio started out as an idea of mine to um, spread the chiropractic word, if you will. I've been uh, an author of an article in our local newspaper called The Spinal Column, and I've been doing that for 14 years, have uh, about 100, now over 100 articles to my name. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be neat to take this content that I've been writing about and start speaking about it? In other words, repackaging what we've been doing in a totally different, you know, cutting-edge format. And I've always enjoyed uh, playing around on the radio when I was a kid. And so the idea of being able to reach back to my childhood and uh, kind of meld the two with my passion for chiropractic made a lot of sense. Um, and it's, it's really kind of exploded. One of the other things I, that's really important to me is that um, I involve my son in, in what we do. And so uh, this is a chance for, for dad and son to get together and, uh, and have a very meaningful project that is uh, affecting people all around the world. And as we kind of got rolling, all of a sudden we got on the radar screens of, um, you know, chiropractic masterminds like Jim Dubell at New Beginnings Chiropractic Weekend. And he said, you know, you need to come out to the East Coast and interview our chiropractors out here. And it would be great. We'll use it for promotional purposes for us, and you can have the, the podcast to take home. And, and it's really just it's just kind of exploded from there. You guys saw you. I was at the uh, Caljan and interviewed them. Going back to uh, the East Coast again to New Beginnings, and it's it's just amazing. So it's chiropractic. Uh, it's it's chiropractic principled chiropractic, and it, you know it's it's really kind of evolving as as I just kind of hang on for the ride. But it's been an amazing ride so far, and you know really what. Uh, almost a year, year and four, four months into this. Yeah. And and yeah, Tom, I wanted to interject here too. Are you still in full-time practice? Yes, I am. Wow. So that, this is a lot to do fly around the country. I know all of us, Deed, Fred and I know that when you're full-time practice and then trying to fly around, it's a lot to do. And, um, we're actually going to be up in your neck of the woods. Unfortunately, we're going to be in the same area doing a seminar at the same time because we didn't even know we, that you guys were going to be doing new beginnings at the same time that we planned our seminar. Ironic. Oh, but, yeah, bummer. But yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, though. It, it's um, I'm learning how to burn the candle. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, but it's fun, definitely. It is fun, yeah. I, I remember uh, the first time we went out to new beginnings, uh, we interviewed 23 chiropractors in two and a half days, and which for us was amazing. I, I don't even remember sleeping very much. And I think it was Liam Schubel said to me, he said, you know what? The, I told him, I said, I'm not even tired. He goes, because you're just, you're just feeding off of all the, uh, all the chiropractic energy that is coming um, behind these, these mics here. And he was right. Yeah. Yep. So, so Tom, uh, it's Deed again here. Where where can the audience access your podcast? Do they just go to spinalcolumnradio.com? Is that where they go to? 
Yeah, thanks, Steve, for bringing that back up. Yeah, SpinalColumnRadio.com is where the podcast lives, and uh, we're coming up on uh, episode 54 here real, real soon. And um, you can also find us on iTunes.com. We're on there. And pretty much, you know, you Google my name, and it's going to come up too. So, but that's that's where you would go. Is you would go to spinalcolumnradio.com. You can listen to it there on the site, and you can subscribe to it very easily from there or from iTunes. Fantastic. And so I have a question for you, Tom. Sorry to interrupt, Dee. This is Fred Dee Domenico. You know, you seem to have your pulse on the profession. I mean, when you look at G, Dee and Joe and I, and you know, I have lead coaching, and obviously they're in CBP, and we're partnering together to really expand true corrective care and research. So you have your pulse on certainly uh, a niche of, and that's not even a niche across the profession. What's your impression of chiropractors out there? And what are you seeing in those interviews? What's their attitudes like and their passion and perspectives? Mm. Well, you know, um, I would say that, you know, I'm, I'm finding a lot of chiropractors that just, really love what they do and it's it's really obvious when you you talk to somebody behind these mics um if they are indeed you know sold out for their profession or if they're in it for the wrong motives so you think hey they're still fired up the principal's still alive people are out there you know yeah you know i i'm 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 finding more and more principal chiropractors out there that uh that are you know they they have the spizzerinctum. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's awesome. Yeah, you know you know what I think is great about you know with all this new social media and and with Facebook and with the events like what we're doing with Billy DeMoss and Cal Jam and New Beginnings, you know I think it's time that, that straight chiropractors like all, all of us we're actually bringing the profession back. I mean we're actually the most vocal group now when you start looking at some of these surveys. I mean, this is what chiropractic is. And, you know, thank God we stepped up in, in New Mexico and everything. Um, but it's nice that, that, you know, we actually have a voice and a platform now with Facebook and the Internet and, and now with these podcasts because, you know, we have quite a following as do you. So I, I think it's a good way to bring everybody together. You know, you bring up a good point because as chiropractors, by our very nature, we tend to kind of, you know, be secluded to ourselves, and it's 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 difficult sometimes to fellowship with other chiropractors. But social media has really given us a platform to do that very well. Yeah, and to be able to to communicate with you know, I you you guys aren't in Washington State right now. You're all over the United States, right? Yeah, I'm in Florida, and Dee just moved, and that's the reason why we couldn't get. Oh yeah, you're my neighbor now, yeah. Dee. You're in Idaho. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> all right. And Fred, where are you from? I'm in Washington State. Oh, you are in Washington State? Okay. Yeah, south of Seattle. Okay, well, great. We've got to meet up. Yeah, <laughs> I had no go. idea. Well, yeah. so there, there you go. That's what social media can do. Oh, right. I just now I know where everybody is. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's fantastic. So, Tom, a uh, couple quick things here. Since uh, Joe brought up the New Mexico thing, um, I assume that you've obviously been aware of what was going on in New Mexico with uh, chiropractors down there, a select group trying to lobby for prescription drug rights and uh, calling themselves advanced uh, chiropractors. And, you know, luckily, you know, we, we, we kind of pushed this with the ICA and other groups and tried to fund this and get a lobbyist, et cetera. And, and luckily, uh, we were able to shoot that down when it went through to the Senate committee and it was uh, voted down five to two, I believe. So, uh, number one, my question is, were you aware of that? And then number two, uh, did you interview any uh, chiropractors from New Mexico recently? I am definitely aware of it, and I have not um, interviewed anybody from New, New Mexico, um, but I certainly talked about it at Cal Jam with people like Brian Kelly, who got behind the microphone. Um, I believe I talked about it with uh, Fabrizio Mancini. I can't really remember. I, I interviewed so many people there, but, you know, the whole chiropractic and pharmaceutical thing, I just doesn't make sense. It's an oxymoron. And and I did actually podcast about this. I'm, I'm trying to find the uh, one I did just a, a couple of episodes ago where I encouraged chiropractors to go to the dynamic chiropractic poll and, yeah. and to vote. Yeah, I actually listened to that one. You did okay because yeah. that was just that really disturbed me. Um, and you know the the final vote. And I realized that dynamic chiropractic might be slightly skewed more towards the mixer side, but you know it's fifty fifty. That's what it came out to be, and that's just 
That's that kind of that really really bothers me. It really it really bothers me a lot. And you know, I as I said on my podcast, you know, I think we need to think about a little history lesson here. And that history lesson it has to do with the osteopathic profession. You know, look what happened to them. Yeah. You ask the average person out there on the street, what's an osteopath? They have zero idea. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, the osteopathic profession is equivalent to um, the the medical profession. They lost their identity. We have something very special here. We yeah. have something that that uh, um, Seth Godin would call a purple cow. You know, <laughs> it's different. Why would we want to be more like them? That that makes zero sense to me. And if you're a chiropractor and you want to prescribe medications, fantastic. Become a medical doctor. Get a dual degree. There are some out there that do that, or you know, or at the very least, go get a physician's assistant's degree or something. But don't call it chiropractic. It makes no sense. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, a couple things. Not that I'm calling uh, anybody out there at D.C., but I don't believe with the 50-50 survey. Uh, so something skewed. And it reminds me of the article that came out in the journal Chiropractic Medicine, which is run by none other, none other than National and James Winterstein. And what they did is they re, uh, surveyed four chiropractic practices down in New Mexico, and the article came out just in time for this bill that was going to be pushed um, down in New Mexico. So the article was extremely timely. So number one, it was planned yep. uh, in terms of the, the timing and the agenda, et cetera. But the four practices that they surveyed patients from, three out of the four were uh, doctors that wanted this advanced chiropractic degree and wanted pre prescription drug rights. So when they surveyed their patients, the patients on average, about 80 to 85 percent, said they wanted their chiropractor to prescribe drugs. And so th this is, you know, reminding me of this D.C. survey. You, you can sample, you know, uh, 50 chiropractic clinics and you can pick the ones you want to sample and you'll get a 50-50 split between them. Just like this thing in New Mexico, they surveyed four practices and three out of four of them happened to be the super duper advanced chiropractors that wanted that training. And so, of course, their patients likely are similar in mind or they're being educated in the same manner. Yeah. So, so for example, like if you surveyed my, my practice, my patients, uh, probably 99% of them would say chiropractors are against medication at large. Uh, they try to encourage you to get off your prescription drugs or go back to your MD to talk to them about what you're taking and, and what natural things can be done, et cetera. So it, it depends on who you're sur surveying, you know. Hey, in your neck of the woods, D, they'd probably punch the interviewer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hit them with a bat or a pick. Well, you know, we're just out, the neighbor and I and the kids were just out shooting the ground squirrels, so. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't do that in my neck of the woods. Yeah, I would. <laughs> but, you, but, you know, you, you talked, Tom, you talked about, like, the osteopaths losing their identity, and most of the young uh, docs out there, even though you you listen to it, they, they don't get it until, it like, um. Some of the biggest, I, I get a lot of medical referrals in my practice, a lot of them. And I have a large group of DOs that actually send me patients. And what's funny is that the patients come to me, they say, well, Dr. Joe, I know you're a chiropractor. I know it's a DC degree, but, you know, Dr. So-and-so, they have a DO. What is a DO? And, you know, of course, they'll take medications from the guy. They don't even know what the degree is and what it means. And I know I, I, it's just it's it's frightening that there's chiropractors that want that. I mean, why would these medical doctors want to send me patients if I did the same darn thing that they do? Exactly. You know, and the funny thing is, you know, we actually I mean, we're all very philosophically based and traditional chiropractic has spent a century dogging on MDs. But if you're really principally based, that's that's those are the patients we should be getting. So like in our, in our group, and especially since we're so highly associated with CBP, MDs may not buy our philosophy, but they will buy the science. And medical doctors refer to chiropractors a ton. I mean, I know our guys, and like you, Joe, you get a ton of referrals from MDs. So I think the thing is, hey, it's good to rub elbows with them and then get the patients out of their office and get them into our office. And frankly, they're failing with a bunch of them anyway. I mean, we're actually doing them a favor. Yeah, they don't, they don't want them. All the docs that I, I talk to, all the GPs, 
they don't want spinal pain uh, patients. They, you know, they know they can't help them. They know that the drugs are just masking the symptoms. I mean, when you talk to them, they know that. And they said, look, you know, I know that you're better at this than I am, and I don't like taking care of those types of uh, problems in my practice, and I'm happy to refer to you. And by the way, you're the only guy that I know knows what they're doing because you do this scientific stuff. And that's what they say, and it's kind of funny. We have all the science, but we're, we're hardcore, mainstream, uh, subluxation-based doctors, you know? If I could say something here for a moment, um, and I don't want to talk about the school I graduated from, but I would say that when I went into the school life I went to, I was more principally based than when I got out. And then I moved up to Washington State, which was a godsend. And I, I learned to fall in love with chiropractic because up here in Washington State, as, as Fred knows, we're a little more limited in our scope of practice. You can't, you know, do everything under the sun. But I remember being in chiropractic college, and when you when you come out of a chiropractic college with a condition-based mindset, your, your, your hope and your wish is just to help people the best you can with whatever you have available. And chiropractic, just, you know, the adjustment just happens to be one of those things. Mm-hmm. And that... So I can understand where why some people in our profession would want to prescribe medications because they really don't understand chiropractic. And it's not their fault. It's because they weren't given the proper education to fully fall in love with it and understand it to the degree that um, our chiropractic forefathers fought so hard to, to preserve for us. Yeah. Well, I agree. And definitely, you know, as a doctor, Tom, where are you located in Washington? Just I'm in Kingston. I'm right across, across the water. Oh, okay. Nice. I'm in Gig Harbor. Oh, so, wow. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're pretty you. close. Yeah, I didn't know we were so close. We'll have to get together. But anyway, you know, as a doctor, you know, how many patients of all of us have become chiropractors because they loved what we taught them? And then they, then they go get poisoned, so to speak, like what you said, Tom. Yeah, you do. Come back and relearn chiropractic again. And it's, you know, and that's one of the questions that I'm curious about with all the doctors you interview. What are the students like coming out now? I mean, you know, we're pretty, we get these guys coming into CVP, but what do you notice about the young doctors coming out? Do they have principle and purpose or are they struggling to find something? I don't know if I can speak to that very well. I haven't really interviewed students coming out of school. I can just tell you from my own experience that. I didn't know which way was up at all. I was completely backwards. Yeah. You, you know what? I, I get to interact with probably more students than anybody. This is Deed again, by the way. Uh, not just I'm saying that more for the benefit of the, the listeners than you guys. But, uh, you, you know, what you find is you find, by and large, most of them are confused. They, they don't really know what chiropractic is, is supposed to be all about. Especially uh, ones that graduate from from schools where they're really pushing away from chiropractic philosophy. And it's no secret. I mean, we can list these schools because it's actually in their curricula. They're moving away from it. You're looking at the nationals. You're looking at formerly Western states, which changed its name. And you're looking at... uh, uh, oftentimes uh, what used to be LACC that's now Southern California University of Health Sciences, the students there, they tell me, look, they don't get the philosophy anymore. And so it, it's really, unfortunately, it's up to doctors in the field again to get these students and get these doctors that have been a little bit misguided and didn't get exposed to chiropractic principles and what, what chiropractic really is about, to get them under our wing and guide them again and give back to them. And, and then the other side of that is the principled chiropractors need to support the schools that are supporting chiropractic and chiropractic the way we want it to to remain. And it's not that we don't want to see innovations and things advance. That's not it. But we also want to see things that remain core to our inherent chiropractic tenets and and, uh, philosophy. And those schools, everybody should know what they are. It's, It's the Life Chiropractic Colleges. It's the Parker. It's the Sherman. It's, you know, uh, Palmer, Florida is still trying to stay on, on, on that line. Um, Cleveland, uh, Kansas City, and unfortunately, Cleveland, L.A. just went under. We lost a, a good school there that, that couldn't afford to keep up. 
So it's really up to chiropractors to support the good quality schools so then the students don't come out lost like that. Mm. And that's really the bigger picture, I think. Yeah, it was a little disheartening, too, when uh, we were at that seminar, Deed. We actually had a pretty big seminar in Anaheim, California, and there was a lot of students there. And, you know, they, they, they're they different that coming out of, of that school than, you know, I was coming out of life. I mean, the one thing I can say back when I – because I graduated from life back in uh, – gosh, when did I graduate? 95 – no, 99. And, um, you know, we were complaining about how it was um, – that we had too much offered to us. You know, we had every technique and every philosophy, but you know, we were exposed to everything and we could make our choices. A lot of these doctors coming out now, they, they weren't, they're not even exposed to what subluxation is, let alone techniques, let alone the other philosophies. They, they don't, they honestly don't know. Well, I graduated LACC in 87 and that's when they said the word subluxation, but, uh, that was about it. They said it with uh, some profanity following it practically. And, uh, you know, there were those few that found the principle and philosophy and then quit going to school in second term and then watched everybody else, you know, stick their nose in books and had no idea what chiropractic was. I mean, I kind of thank LACC and maybe that's just being a rebel. Actually, I was a couple of classes behind Bill DeMoss and, uh, you know, it just if you found the principle, then it made you that much stronger. So it's like it almost made you a rebel or you succumbed to the pressure and, you know, had to figure it out when you got out. But, yeah, it's even worse now. I can't imagine going through some of those schools and having any clue what's going on. Yeah, and just some of the things that were on – Deed, what was at the last seminar that the, the students were saying on the national board exam? There was a question. What was that that they said? About was a normal alignment or normal uh, posture or something? Yeah, here's the biggest thing that's going on, and it ties into the New Mexico thing. You've got a small group of chiropractors and, uh, and political people in power that are trying to dictate the entire direction of the profession, and we all know them as, not to name them, but the CC. You know, they're the ones that are responsible for driving right now the standard, standards of education. So the students uh, at our last seminar in Anaheim, I think it was on part two or part three of the boards, uh, national boards, uh, an actual test question was, does upright human body posture have any significance for health and disease of the human body? And the answer, according to uh, Irene Gold, is no. And, and so that's that's what the students are now facing right now. You've got the CCE that's setting up test questions. I, I can't even believe it. I'm shocked by that. Test questions that are absolutely unfounded in their answers in the scientific realm. I mean, human body posture, that's like saying – uh, okay, then we're supposed to be quadrupeds if upright body posture has no bearing on health. You know? Wow. So it, it's it's shocking what we're facing right now. You, you know what's amazing about this, Deed, too, is that, you know, going back, your dad warned you and I and all the young students back then, he saw this happening years and years and years ago, what yeah. was happening in the profession. And I, and I just thought your dad was just a conspiracy theorist. I really did. I, I, at first, when I met him, I said, like, I can't believe this guy is, you know, saying all these things. It can't be true. This can't be such an inbred profession. It can't be true. And lo and behold, your dad was absolutely right. Yeah, he, he predicted it. You know, the real problem is, too, not just the identity. This is this is the world according to Dean. I always like to throw that out there. I like that world, but a lot of people don't really appreciate it. Um, the, the issue, I'm all about open-mindedness and having choice and not limiting the profession. The, the problem is, is when you take, for example, this advanced degree that's going on and it will come up again, not just in New Mexico, but everywhere, the doctors that get this advanced training, they're actually going to be considered superior types of chiropractors by legal standards if it gets passed the way that they want it to be. And so just because you've taken a few weekend courses in pharmacology and being able to prescribe a little bit of medication, you're now going to be superior 
to me and you and all the other DCs out there. That's where I really get upset about it. There's- you know what? You know, indeed, I, I can see, and not that I'm, I'm – I, I love insurance companies more and more each day and I want to push myself further and further away from them. But can't you see – how an insurance company could make the shift and say, oh, starting you know, on this date from here on out, we're only going to contract with chiropractors that have the advanced level of training. Yep. And you're exactly right, Tom. That's exactly what's going to happen. When you look at the, the uh, my dad always called it the incestuous relationship between these groups, the same people pushing this are affiliated with the managed care organizations that are run by chiropractors and that are the reviewers and claims adjusters. Mm-hmm. So they will actually do that. They'll get that passed. As soon as they get a foothold with certain states, then, yeah, you're right. The next step is insurance reimbursement will be dictated by your training. You know what's ridiculous, too, and I Facebook post on somebody who was kind of uh, championing for the um, – inclusion of the broad scope practice rights. They said that if they are given the rights to prescribe drugs, then they can start to take their patients off of drugs. And that just makes that makes no sense. Because first of all, if you're going to go through the advanced training, that's not going to be free. You're going to have to shell out some coin to make that happen. And what's your malpractice insurance going to do? It's going to go up because you now are carrying on your shoulders the liability that prescription drugs carry with them. They're like the fourth cause of death in the United States. Who wants to go to bed knowing that? It's horrible. So now we have a doctor of chiropractic that is prescribing or has the ability to to prescribe drugs. Their malpractice has gone up, and they had to pay extra money to to get to that, that level, and they probably have to, you know, do a continuing ed in that area, and they're saying the only reason they want to do it is so they can take their patients off meds. Yep. Yep. And crazy. They, no, yeah. No, that's not crazy. They're they're, they're going to start prescribing meds so they can start to pay for this thing. Yeah. Every time exactly. every time I hear something like that, I'm a movie fan, so it always reminds me of certain movies, and I love the quotes. This one comes from The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, when the little hobbits said, "Yeah, the closer we are to danger, the further we are from harm." Yeah. You know, yeah. That, nice. Yeah. Thanks for crystallizing that for me perfectly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now everybody gets the analogy. That's, yeah, and, and you know who, who who stands to benefit from all this additional testing? Hmm. You know, it's it's amazing that if we have more board exams, huh? Let's follow the money. You know, and it's the same people. It's like yeah. pe- people that don't see this connection. And think that we're crazy really need to just open their eyes. It's so obvious when you start following the money path. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we're all on here. This is kind of what Kyra United is all about. And, um, you know, Deed is the most researched chiropractor that's really showing that there is research to show correction and which people, when you look at a structure, which people suffer from chronic pain, disability, you know, there's tons of medical research that show posture and organ problems. So, you know, this is why we're doing this. You know, everybody like you, Tom, Bill DeMoss and New Beginnings and CDP, you know, we have their own flair. Like, what do you see and what's your purpose in, uh, you know, your radio and doing these podcasts? Like, how do you see we turn this around? What's your purpose and vision? My vision is is if I can just, you know, play a small part in taking this message out to not only the chiropractors but but the population mm-hmm. that that chiropractic has something very unique and very beautiful to offer that is unlike anything else and it makes so much sense. Um, if, if we need to balance the scales a bit and that's one of the great things about podcasting and about you know social media in general is that the playing field starts to kind of get leveled out. Do you, do you guys remember back in the, uh, was it 1995 or so, we, we got a chiropractic commercial that went, went nationwide? Yep. It was only on for 30 seconds, and that was it. Boom, there went $2 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's, um, we can't even compete with the pharmaceutical ads that are on TV. But something like podcasting, well, now we, yep. we can at least have a voice at the table. Yep. And, and so I'm. Go on. It's my. 
I'm sorry, it's it's my vision that Spinal Column Radio and other chiropractic podcasts can start to, you know, channel good, you know, balanced information, is at least, you know, balance the, the um the, the this whole thing out a bit because it's crazy. People are getting brainwashed and and they don't even realize it. Yeah, the podcasting's great because I mean think about what we're doing here right now. Even ten years ago, would have taken a radio studio to do what we're doing, and how much money just what we're doing right now would have cost to do would have been thousands of dollars in production to do, and now we can do it. You know, just sitting back on our MacBook Pro or or computer laptop, do all the post production, everything, and we're doing this you know free on Skype. So it's a given us a great voice, like you said, to get out and get the word out, and it's something that we can afford and it's just our drive and our willingness to do. So it's awesome nowadays to, you know, to, be a, to have a passion like all of us do. I totally agree, and um, that's, that's what really drives the podcast is a passion. There's over 137,000 podcasts on iTunes alone, and each and every person that does one that's successful has a passion, and the listeners know it, and that's, mm-hmm. that's what attracts them to them. Yeah, that's great. So, so how often are you doing your podcasts? How often do you put a podcast up? That's a great question. Was it uh, uh, Joe's the one that does post production for you guys? Right? Yeah, I try yeah. to. <laughs> okay, so so I understand what it takes to put one together. Yeah, you got to um, make make sure you drive that point home to both Deed and Fred for me, Tom. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, so we're we're talking on you know this will be like what a, a 35, 40 minute podcast or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah he's know. negotiating his percentage right now. By the way, <laughs> right? I mean, you got to times it depending on how much post production you do. It's you know it's at least three or four, maybe five times the length yeah. of the podcast to put it. Together, it's crazy. But when I when I began, um, I was doing it basically every other week, yeah. and uh, which was fine. And then I got um, called by New Beginnings to come out, and I, I like I said, I did twenty three podcasts, and I was like, this is fantastic. I have content for the entire year. Yeah. And but then it's kind of a double sword because I've got all these people. I have a responsibility. I just did all these great interviews with people. Hear their their interview. Yeah. I'm like, oh well, I'm sorry. You know, it's going to come up in ten months from now. Yeah, that's right. So, so I, I I did the the best I could. And I said, okay, I'm going weekly. Yeah, and just to try to push these things out. And uh, at the uh, Cal Jam that we just did, I, I did something new. I said, I'm going to I'm going to try to push out six you know podcasts in in uh, three weeks. And so I did two a week. And um, I, I still have some left over from the fall 2010 new beginnings that I'm going to have to. Um, do this like a, a daily podcast just to get out like the, the remaining eight because I feel so badly that I have, still have these these interviews that are um, in the can and haven't come out yet. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's a lot of work, and but, you know, it, it's fun. And it's funny that, you know, every time I, I keep, I always close with saying that, oh, we're going to have, I'm going to try and get this out tomorrow. Yeah, t- it never happens. <laughs> yeah. One thing I will say is uh, spring 2011, New Beginnings, uh, we're going to be doing a live show with Dr. Guy Reekman on stage. And when we were um, back at the the uh, fall event, we did a live show, and it was amazing in front of 500 people. Wow. Doing a live show, a live podcast is, is a charge. Um, but uh, the one downfall I think I had was I didn't release that podcast for you know a full week. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to do my best that evening in the hotel room. I'm going to produce it, and we're going to we're going to push it out so everybody at New Beginnings can actually hear it uh, either that that evening or the next morning. Wow, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. And you know, we'll have to listen in because we're going to be right down the road doing our scoliosis seminar. So we we have to get some of the 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 jazz and spizzerinkum yeah. from from you guys. That's right. Too. And uh, hopefully it'll, it will uh, come right through on your uh, on your computer on yeah. spinalcolumnradio.com. Yeah, <laughs> episode number fifty-five. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Hey, uh, not to change the topic, guys, but I got a, a question for Tom. Tell me, uh, Tom, what your most—if you had to pick one—it's I know it's tough to do—but your most impactful interview that you've done to date that really striked something with you that you feel your audience had a great uh, connection with uh, or you thought they would because you had such a, a connection with and, and who w- would that have been with? 
That's a great question. I there are certain interviews that I do that I listen to multiple times because there's just I'm like that was a good interview, <laughs> you know, and, and I learned so much out of it uh, from it. And um, and I will say too that, you know, I I mentioned that you know I'm from Washington State and I went to a you know pretty medical chiropractic college and I've really been for the past you know 15 years here just been through this evolution of sorts. And I will say that Spinal Column Radio has really just put me on the fast track to, to just to understanding what the true nature of chiropractic and, and just it's so exciting for me it's and it's been an evolution and a revolution but i would have to say to answer your question deed it's got to be reggie gold mm-hmm. and the reason that i always say that is um up until the point that I went to New Beginnings, I had done some interviews, and I was really enjoying doing these types of interviews, and I'm trying to continue to do them if I can never find time. And that is, uh, they were called, uh, I called it the um, Extraordinary Chiropractors Doing Extraordinary Things. I think every chiropractor has it within them to be extraordinary. I mean, just the fact that we're chiropractors, we're extraordinary. Right. Uh, so everyone's extraordinary, but doing extraordinary things. And what do I mean by that? Well, doing things that are outside of the box. So as an example, Dr. Kyle Golton, West Yellowstone, Montana, he adjusted a grizzly bear his, uh, what, his second month into chiropractic. That is wild. I have got to talk to this guy. And so I called him up and you know, I said, I know it was 10 years ago, but could you talk about it? And he's like, I could talk about it like it was yesterday. And so we did. And that, that was great. And I talked to Dr. Rennie Statler, who um, uh, picked up everything uh, in a moment's notice and flew down to Haiti right after the earthquake with uh, seven or eight other chiropractors. Dr. Peter Morgan led that one. I mean, just to, to hear these guys' stories, and there was uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Ryan out of Columbus, Ohio, who had a tree in front of his office that was about ready to come down because he was riddled with carpenter ants, and he's like, what should I do with this tree? And they decided that they were going to carve a spine out of it. They have a 30-foot human spine in front of his office. That's really kind of wacky nice. and wild. And he, he created a, a landmark for chiropractic. And the be- most beautiful thing about that story is that in this tough economy, he says, Tom, i got to tell you, as soon as that thing went in, he goes, I have never been busier. I, I don't think I can take any more patients. I'm seeing six new patients a day, and my practice is just packed full. How yeah. cool is that? Yeah, so, totally awesome. So these, these are fun interviews to do. But um, what happened, and I don't know, Fred, if, if you were there, but when Reggie came out uh, to Seattle, or did, did you hear him speak in August of 2010? No, did he speak at the um, philosophy, at the philosophy forum? forum? Yeah. No, I so I, I got an email saying that Reggie Gold was, was going to be there. And I, and I was like, you know, I heard Reggie Gold when I was in school. He, he was kind of, you know, they brought him on campus. I don't know if it was legal, but they did. <laughs> yeah. And and they um and I was like, I heard him speak. And I remember him just kind of striking a chord with me, and and I was like, I should hear him again. And in the email again, they said, you know what? This is gonna be Reggie's. His health is failing him. This is gonna be Reggie's last time out here. I was like, I need to go. This is a chiropractic legend. I need to hear him speak. And so, um, you know, being on the other side of the water, Frank would understand. To, or, excuse me, Fred would understand. It took to get over to Seattle. It takes some some doing. Nice. And so I was like, I don't know. Well, I'm gonna do it. And so, which meant that you know it was gonna be like a three hour round trip of driving and whatnot. But I did it. And just before I left, it was an evening seminar. I said to the ladies up front, I said, Hey. I'm going to go hear Reggie Gold speak. And they're like, oh, that's really nice, Dr. Lamar. And I said, no, you don't understand who this guy is. He's, he's a chiropractic legend. He's an icon. Yeah. He, he knew B.J. Palmer. And they're like, whoa, that sounds really exciting. They, they got exciting for me. And then I said, almost in a kind of a wistful kind of manner, I said, would it be cool if I could interview him on Spinal Column Radio? Nah, that would never happen. You know, I just interviewed guys that adjust grizzly bears and carved spines out of trees. And so I just kind of left, you know, just, just kind of dismissed that immediately, but went and heard Reggie and took notes and was really inspired, came back and was excited. And right around that time, um, I don't know if we have time for it, but I had a podcast go out that featured Dr. B.J. Palmer on the radio. And lots of chiropractors started listening to it, including Dr. Jim Dubell of New Beginnings. And I'll tell you, one week from the day that I uttered those words that I could never get Reggie Gold on my show, I'm speaking on the telephone with Dr. Jim Dubell. And he said, you know what, Tom, you need to come out here New Beginnings. And I think the first person that you're going to interview is Dr. Reggie Gold. <laughs> Nice. And I fell out of my chair, and I was like, this is so cool. And so I would say that was probably been the most meaningful uh, interview that I've done just because of that story. 
And um, I'm, I'm humbled to say that I get to interview him again at this spring 2011 New Beginnings because he's still around and still has a lot left to give. Awesome. Yeah. So got a lot of passion in him, I'm sure. He, yeah, he's, his mind is sharp as a tack. I remember his old tapes, you know, way back after I got out of LACC, I used to plug those things in and yeah. just get all fired up, him and Jim Sigafoos. Sigafoos, that's somebody I'd like to interview one of these days. He's on my, on my list. I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> hey, uh, gentlemen, uh, a couple quick things. This has been uh, fantastic, but uh, we always like to end uh, – our podcast with a couple uh, different things. Number one, we try to do some research papers. Uh, the, the audience tends to expect that from one of us, and that's usually me. And then uh, number two, we, we like a, uh, one or two little business tips. So um, I've got an interesting article that I'd like to share with everybody. But first, um, I think it might be be good. Tom, you're still in practice, yes? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think it, it'd be great if you could throw out one or two significant business tips that you found to be the most productive in your personal practice, uh, e- either in the recent you know year or two since you know the economy has dropped, or just in general. Just one or two uh, tips, and then Dr. Fred will follow that up. He's usually always got something to say about business management because that's what he does. He trains doctors and and coaches them. Um, So if if you can maybe give that a a thought real quick and then give a comment on that. So you want a business tip from me, huh? (laughs) Well, uh, I think it's important, Tom, because you're in active practice and anybody that's been in active practice, there's always something to be learned from doctors that are still out there doing it. I'll tell you, you know, there there are days when I um, when I, I come home and I'm like, that was a fantastic day. And usually those days are the days that I am connecting with my patients on on a greater level than just you know, uh, you know, popping bones all day. Okay. What, what I mean by that is in in our office, and I I know a lot of chiropractors do this. I'm kind of inspired by Bill Estep and his days in back talk. And I, I have a whiteboard, and on that whiteboard. I will write something and that kind of directs my uh, table talk and, and patients come to, to love that because usually the things I, I talk about, I get real excited about. And when, when, when you have the spizzerinkum, so to speak, patients, they, they, they need that. They're attracted to that. And so when I can display that for my patients, they get excited. And, uh, and, and I find that uh, you know, my practice grows when that happens. As a matter of fact, um, the word spizzerinctum, here's a good one. On, on, on my whiteboard, I wrote spizzerinctum. Actually, I, I, wrote, I wrote spizz, and people would come in and go, what's that? And I said, well, it's short for spizzerinctum. Does that help you? <laughs> and they look at me like, huh, no. And so we're like, okay, this is a great word. It's a real word. And I'm like, really? And I only had one person who knew what the word was. But uh, I said, this is a great word. And I said, it's great because this is a real word. It, it, come, it dates back to the like mid-1850s. But it was a word that was adopted and adapted by the chiropractic profession, by B.J. Palmer, the developer of chiropractic. And, and, he, and he brought this word into, in, into the profession, and he said that it, it meant the enthusiasm for chiropractic. And if you look at what the real, the real meaning of the word is, it means that to have a chutzpah or a backbone, to have a vim, a vigor, a diligence, to, to have a passion for something. And so B.J. Palmer would, would exhort to chiropractors through his writings and his speaking to you say, chiropractor, you need to get your spizzerentum back. And, and, and so I love the word for that reason because it has the deep chiropractic roots. But perhaps I love it even more because it's a real word. And so I challenged my, my patients and I said, it's a real word, which means and it's not relegated just to chiropractic. It means that you can have a spizzerinctum. And so what is your spizzerinctum? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it that excites you? And it doesn't have to be your, your occupation, your job. It could be um, you know, a, a hobby you enjoy doing. It could be an activity that you enjoy. Um, it could be a, a stand that, that, or a belief that, that, that you stand for, or maybe relationships that you have. What is your spizzerinctum? And you know what happened was people, their eyes would light up and they would start talking about the things that, that they're passionate about. 
And all of a sudden, now I know that patient in a way that I didn't know him before. And that's really cool. And if I could share one little story that happened, I had a, um, a, a patient that came in and she comes in periodically and her health is not the best. And she was face down and I said, uh, so what's your spizzer income? You know, after I, I went through with that little deal and she was silent. And I said, wow, um, maybe I kind of crossed the line here. <laughs> I said, you know, it's totally obvious, but you don't have to tell me. I'm just throwing the question out there. What's your spizzer income? And she was just paused and she goes, I don't think I have one anymore. She goes, I've been, uh, I, I, my, my health has been such a, has been so consuming over the past, you know, five, six years that I just, I think I lost my spizzer right now. And I said, well, and she goes, I'm just doing what I can do to get by. And I said, well, okay, what was your spizzer right 20 years ago? And she sat up and her eyes brightened and she started telling me about her horseback riding and, and her, her art that she does. And she was so excited. It was amazing. And she went up to the front desk and she started telling the ladies about or, you know, her spizzerinkum. And she left that office with a spring in her step that she did not have when she walked in. And so I kind of, it really struck me. I was like, you know what? We do more than just physically adjust people. Yep. We can give them... And, and it, uh, truly a, an attitude adjustment, a, a, a life perspective adjustment. And uh, that's, that's something that I'd like to share. Yep, that's fantastic. Connecting with patients through a chiropractic concept and, and principle that they can take as their own. So, uh, Dr. Fred, uh, your thoughts on that or, or anything else? Yeah, I would kind of line up with Tom. And, you know, I have to take my hat off to you. Tom, you're still in practice. You've been in practice for a while. And it sure seemed like, you know, we feel like old timers. I mean, I got out of chiropractic school in the 80s, which isn't old timer, but compared to now, sometimes it feels like we're carrying this sort of passion. And obviously, you can tell in your tone when you tell that story that that fire burns in you and it's still burning hot. And so, you know, when you look at, at business, really what it is, is just love every patient one at a time. I remember coming out of school and went to Fred Schofield seminar. And that's when one one liner that, that always stuck with me, he broke 500 a day. And then he was a DE. Fortunately, I found DE right when I got out of school. And he said, many doctors would say, how do you see that many people? And he said, one at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned is just love every person. And, you know, I remember being at 150 a day and not getting any referrals because I had a bunch of satisfied patients. And I'd be so frustrated. Like, how can you be at 150 a day and I have no referrals? Because people were just following you because you're a great, great leader. But the best thing you can do is give every person everything. And it doesn't have to be long. It could be 30 seconds. And 30 seconds of loving that person will feel like 10 minutes, and that's why they come to you. Marianne Williamson writes, the, um, writes about our deepest fear. You know, our biggest responsibility, it's not just about putting a curve in their neck. I think we have a responsibility to fix their spine, and that's my opinion. But it's about teaching people that they deserve to be healthy, that they deserve something bigger, and that they're here for a purpose in this life. And if mm. their spine is subluxated, they're not going to be able to fulfill whatever divine purpose that they came into that physical body. And they're a spirit that is here for a reason. And that's what spizzerinctum is. And what you helped do with that woman, Tom, was help Mm -hmm. her shine her own light. So when our light shines bright enough, then you don't have to build a friggin' 30-foot spine in your office because everybody around you is going to know it and you're going to be a magnet. And then our responsibility is not to teach them chiropractic. We got to teach them to teach chiropractic. And, you know, I just came back from teaching a boot camp. And at our boot camps, we teach you to live a fulfilling life because chiropractic is not a job. It's a life purpose that you have to act within your core values. And the stronger your conviction is to your core values, the more you have the ability to confront your conviction. When your conviction, your core values is greater than your fear, then you will confront people and you'll tell them the truth regardless of what they think. So when the voice of truth inside your head is bigger than the person standing in front of you, then you're not going to water that message down. And we have an ability and an opportunity to be able to teach people to teach chiropractic and give them responsibility. Every one of your patients has a responsibility 
to go out and spread that message. And coming in and referring people is just as much of their responsibility on the program as it is to make their Wednesday appointment, as to make their Friday appointment. And that was one thing that we teach and to teach them in the workshop is you have knowledge. Now you have power and you have responsibility. And how many people that, that you know are taking drugs, that don't want to be doing this, that don't want that lifestyle, that are losing their passion or maybe don't even have a purpose, and now we have a gift we can give them, and that's a purpose to help other people. And that's their responsibility. When you teach patients to teach chiropractic, not only can they commit to the lifestyle, but there'll be an additional voice out there raising the vibration in the universe, and I think that's a big idea. Yeah, I think yep. uh, that that nails it really, and and in the end, I think that that connects with what Tom was doing. He's teaching the chiropractic message, and the patient gained uh, quite an insight using a chiropractic con concept and made it their own. And so they they probably went back and and uh, kind of maybe elaborate that elaborated that message to other people too, just because of the way you made that woman feel, Tom. So no doubt. No doubt. You know, I was just thinking about uh, D.D. Palmer when he first, you know, came up with his hand treatment, how secretive he was about it and how he you, you couldn't even go to his office with a spouse or a friend. They had to wait outside. And uh, it was rumored that he had I guess he had a, a, a mirror in his uh, adjusting room and he noticed a patient that was, you know, maybe looking rather intently in that mirror as, as D.D. was setting up for an adjustment. D.D. would he threw a book at the mirror and shattered it. <laughs> but but the point is that you know he he didn't want anybody to steal what he had. Yeah. And but then it was BJ I believe that said to his father, you know, look, if you die, this dies with you. You should teach this. And I don't think he took him up on that advice immediately. But it was he had a near death experience on a train, and I think that's when he decided that you know maybe we should do that, son. And look at what he was been able to do is you know he, he took this and he was he taught it. And by teaching it, he was able to multiply it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, that's the idea of, you know, being able to teach your patients to be able to teach chiropractic so that the message can multiply and it can multiply logarithmically. Yeah, that's exactly. absolutely right. So, uh, Dr. Joe Ferrantelli, before I end with the uh, research article, do you have anything you'd like to add? Well, like I said, the best thing that I've ever found that is to get the message out is, you know, in my area, you know, my group is very, my office is very involved in the, the like the chamber and the business networking groups. We're all throughout. It's getting out in the community and giving a healthcare class. I mean, every time I, I, I give a class and, you know, I, I haven't done them so much now that I'm on the road with you and I'm not in the office as much. But uh, two weeks ago, I gave a just a, a lecture. Actually, one of our patients, we had a good group out at, at our own office. And then, of course, the patients ask, hey, can you know, I'm part of this organization. Would you mind coming out and doing this class for us? I'm, of course. You know, I, I love talking about chiropractic. And it was actually right before I flew out for the, our Baltimore seminar. So I was like heading to the airport. And at first, you know, it's one of those things, just like everybody else says, they're like, oh, gosh, I have to teach a class. But then you remember what it's about. And by the time you're done teaching that class, you are so fired up about chiropractic and subluxation that you have so much energy afterwards. And, you know, I felt fired up. Of course, I was going to the airport at that time. But wouldn't you know it that, of course, they tell, tell the world and it's the best thing to help build a practice is just get out and tell the truth. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, we'll, we'll do a, a spinal workshop maybe on uh, one of these upcoming uh, podcasts because we do have a, a new CBP and elite corrective care uh, spinal workshop for chiropractors and their patients. So we'll, we'll try to share some of those things on the podcast. But you're absolutely right. Doing a spinal workshop is one of the best uh, number one motivators for the doctor to reinstate their passion and excitement, but also to, to get the patients on board with what it is you're doing. Gentlemen, let me end with the, the research article for the week. Uh, this one came out uh, just recently in the journal Clinical Orthopedics and Related Research, uh, 2011. It's page 674 through 681 by Faldini et al., F-A-L- D-I-N-I. -I. The title of the article is Sagittal Segmental Alignment as a Predictor of Adjacent Level 
degeneration after a cloward procedure. So this is a surgical article, and what they did is they took 107 patients that received a discectomy for degenerative disc disease and not true uh, spondylosis, so there wasn't like true myelopathy, but there was radiculopathy. They did a discectomy, and then they fused the uh, two vertebrae together. So most of them were in the mid-cervical spine, C4, C5, and C5, C6 fusions. And what they did is they followed these uh, subjects, 107 of them, for a minimum of 10 years to identify uh, predictive factors for adjacent segmental uh, disc disease, which is a big thing post-surgery. We're looking at which segments break down above or below the fusion and why. And th this type of surgery, the Cloward procedure, is not a hardware procedure. It's uh, autologous bone grafting. So they take a chunk out of your uh, pelvis, and then they fuse your vertebra. So it uh, leads to the uh, statement of, you know, forgive me, but for uh, buttheads, my kids are always calling each other that. And I say, no, not really. But there are patients that are walking around like that. So you, literally, you've got a piece of your hip inside your cervical spine. I just got that. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Some, some people aren't really getting my humor, Tom. <laughs> that way, I have to spell it out. Literally, my humor kind of goes either above or below the radar. Uh, the, the, the neat thing about this article is they're, they're looking at total lordotic alignment as well as segmental alignment. And they broke the subjects down into two groups, those that had kyphotic alignment and those that had lordotic alignment of the fused segment. And the differences are pretty striking in this particular paper. On average, what they're finding is if you do not have at least a two-degree lordotic fusion, so that's two vertebrae fused together, if it's not at least two degrees, then you have a risk factor for, for developing adjacent segmental disc disease. Now, in the two groups, with and without uh, adjacent segment disease, if you look at the group means, the group mean without adjacent level disc disease at 10-year follow-up is about 5 degrees for the lordotic fusion. And then the group mean with the subjects that had adjacent disc disease is 2 degrees kyphosis. So there's a, an approximate seven-degree difference between the fused segment in the subjects with and without adjacent, adjacent segmental disease. And I just want to read uh, part of their results to you, uh, to the audience. It says here that what they identified is for every degree of loss of the segmental lordosis, the odds ratio increases by 0.788. So it says here, for each positive degree of fused lordosis, there's a 20% reduced risk of adjacent level degeneration. So every degree of lordosis carries with it a 20% less re, uh, risk for developing adjacent segmental disc disease. Now th this is a big finding in a surgical paper and basically what the surgeons are doing now is they're shooting for a lordotically aligned fusion, which is what you know we've been claiming in uh, corrective chiropractic for years, that if you don't have a lordotic uh, alignment at any segmental level, you're going to develop early degenerative joint disease. And it's interesting that they found the five-degree mark as a protector for the uh, subjects without adjacent segment disc disease. And that's really close to what we found in uh, normal subjects for their average cervical lordosis in a study that we did in 1996 in the journal Spine. We found the average subject had a six-degree uh, segmental alignment at each joint below C2, C3. So these surgeons are finding something really close to what we found in normal subjects. Uh, so very, very cool paper. It's on the topic of uh, cervical lordosis and alignment post-surgery, and it suggests that having a lordotic aligned fusion, uh, it reduces the risk for adjacent segmental disc disease. 
I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoy that paper. I, I encourage the readers uh, or the listeners to download that article and read it in its entirety. It's uh, quite a nice paper. It was emailed uh, to me uh, last week by a colleague of mine, Dr. Chuck Davis. Okay, gentlemen, that uh, that wraps up our first week podcast in April. Again, we had Dr. Thomas Lamar from SpinalColumnRadio.com with us as our guest. And uh, we really appreciate you having you on board and, list- and uh, participating with us, Tom. I hope you enjoyed it. That was a great time. Thank you. Thanks. And we have, uh, Thanks for being here, Tom. Yep. We have Dr. Joe Ferentelli with Posture Co., uh, Dr. Fred DiDomenico with Elite Coaching, and myself, Dr. Deed Harrison with CBP Seminars. And again, we are a joint company called Chiropractic United. Check us out on the web at chiropracticunited.com and check us out on iTunes. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye bye. Great night.